children, but you know, if you all want to join in, then that's absolutely fine. I don't mind. It's okay. So we've been looking at uh, a series this uh, last term of pursuing Jesus, uh, and today we finish that series uh, looking at the empty tomb and Jesus having risen from the from the dead. So let me just give you a bit of a recap of what's happened. It's the first ever Easter day and the women are going to the tomb to look for Jesus. And they're going to uh, put spices and um, perfume on his body. But the stone is rolled away. They look in and wow, there's an angel uh, or two angels appear. And they say, why are you looking among the living for the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And he says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words And I want to look at this passage with three words. First is look, and the second is remember, and the third is believe. The other thing that had happened was there were a couple of disciples who were on their way to a place called Emmaus, and they were really disappointed. They were miserable. They were feeling down. They just looked at Jesus on the cross and seen him die. And it was like everything fell apart. All their hopes were dashed. And so they were wandering off. And then suddenly Jesus appears there. He's right beside them. And they look at him, but they don't recognize him. And then Jesus explains the scriptures. And they still don't remember. And he breaks bread and they look and they believe. And Jesus turns them around and sends them back to Jerusalem. He says, go and tell everyone what you have experienced. And now, Amani is going to come and read the passage from Luke for us. So I'm going to get the microphone for him. Let me hold it for you. Are you going to hold it? Okay. Off you go. Jesus appears to the disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. 
The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of, his, of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised me, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Fantastic. Thanks, Amani. Good job. Really good. Thank you. So the final chapter of Luke's gospel is full of people who look for or look at Jesus. They remember what he said and did, and then they believe that he rose from the dead. They finally join up the dots and they see that Jesus is God's son. He's the Messiah. He's come and fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about him. And we're going to walk through that together uh, and look at some different aspects of this passage. So the first point is, look, Jesus is physically risen from the dead. And there are various things that we can see that evidence that. Jesus speaks to his disciples. There aren't many dead bodies that speak. And he spoke to them and he said, peace be with you. And then he said an interesting thing. He said, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? And, you know, you can imagine from their point of view, they're thinking, well, it is, we're a bit surprised, Jesus. We weren't expecting to see you. We saw you die three days ago. And now you're talking to us. These things don't normally happen. So he speaks to them and he invites them, invites them to look at him. And he says, look, look at my hands and look at my feet to prove his identity. They saw the nails go in to his hands and his feet just a few days ago. And there would have been the marks there for them to see. He's spoken. He's shown them his scars. And then he invites them to touch him. Touch me and see, he says. And I don't know whether you've uh, ever been, well, you must have been to a station or an airport. And, you know, all around there are people hugging one another because they haven't seen each other for a long time. And it's like, oh, it's so good to be with you. It's, I just need to touch you. There's that association. Uh, and it's almost, yeah, it's, I, I need to believe that you're here. I need to give you a hug. And it also says, they still did not believe because of joy and amazement. And I don't know whether you remember, uh, a few years ago, Michael McIntyre did a, a Christmas show where he had a lady up on stage and he plugged her phone in and he had FaceTime to her family in Australia and there were two grandchildren that she'd never met before and only ever seen on FaceTime and they were talking and he, you know, he was interjecting and, and he said, you know, so 
How, so exactly how far away are you? It must be thousands of miles. And the guy said, well, actually, no, I'm not that far. And the, the curtains opened, and there he was on stage with the whole family and these grandchildren that she'd never met before. And, it was ju- and she just went around hugging them and going, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe you're here. And there's something about that, that absolute joy that I can't really believe that this is happening. And you can imagine, that was the experience of the disciples. They would have been so downcast, like those guys on the Emmaus Road, so disappointed. And there he was in front of them, struggling to believe that it was real. And then Jesus asked them for something to eat. And they give him some fish, and it it does sound a bit funny. It's almost as if they're watching him. They give him some fish, and it's not like they're having a meal together. They're just giving him a bit of fish. What's going to happen? Is it going to go in his mouth and just sort of fall out? You know, is it going to fall out his feet? What's going to happen here? But no, he just eats it, and he's evidencing that he is real and alive. He's spoken to them. He's shown them his scars, he's invited them to touch him, and he's eaten in front of them. He's alive. He is risen. And then he goes on from looking, oh, you're a bit slow there, to remember. And now I want you to change, okay? So when I say look, I don't want you to say look anymore, but when I say remember, I want you to say remember. Okay, good. So the second point is remember. And it's to remember his words and what was written about him in the scriptures. So he says, this is what I told you. While I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. They're all written down in the Old Testament as we have it today. And it shows the story of the Messiah. And there are hundreds of places where you'll find mentions of what will happen to the Messiah that associate with Jesus. And the Jewish people would have known that. They would have read those passages. They were expecting the Messiah to come. And for them, it was like a dot to dot. They'd, they'd put the dots together, but they'd somehow got the dots. In the, they hadn't followed the dots correctly. They hadn't followed the numbers. And so what they were expecting was not what appeared. So when Jesus came, they, they, they didn't rejoice and go, oh, yeah, the Messiah's come. No, they rejected him because they didn't realize. They weren't expecting what came and so Jesus has to explain to them he says remember in the law of Moses and those first five books of our Old Testament uh, there are lots of things in there I'll pick out just one where God speaks to Abraham the father of the Jewish face thousands of years before Jesus And he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and in you all the families of the earth 
shall be blessed. And then later in our New Testament, the Apostle Paul recalls this. He remembers it. And he says, this is fulfilled in Jesus. He says in Galatians, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. God promised to make a way for humans, for us to have our sins forgiven by faith in the Messiah so that we could be reunited with him. So that was the law of Moses that had to be remembered. Then the prophets that should be remembered. Then the prophets were like alarm bells going off in Israel when they came. It's like, the, you know, when the alarm clock wakes you up and it's all a bit of a shock. Well, that's what the prophets were like to the people of Israel. They were like a clanging gong. What's going on? It's a warning. And the warning was given through various prophets. But they also foretold the coming of the Messiah. People like Micah and Isaiah. And Isaiah foretold of what would happen to Jesus, that he would bear our sins on himself on the cross. And we read in Isaiah 53, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Hundreds, if not a thousand years before Jesus, these words were spoken and recorded and remembered. Despised and rejected by mankind, held in low esteem. He took our pain, he took our pain, he bore our suffering. We considered him punished by God. And then Isaiah talks about us in verse 6. He says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're the ones who have sinned. We're the ones who have gone astray from God's plan. But he's the one who has taken the punishment. God has put on Jesus the sins of us all. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. And then lastly, we're encouraged to remember the Psalms. Uh, the Messiah is described many times in the Psalms. His miracles are foretold. In Psalm 107, it describes the Messiah calming the sea. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. 
the disciples experienced that very event. They were in the boats. They had to wake up Jesus and he calmed the storms. The storm. And so he's saying to them, remember. Remember the things that I have done. Remember the things that I have said. Remember, it's all in there. It's been there that you should have read and seen and understood. And then a remarkable verse. I think in all the excitement of the resurrection, we often miss. It says, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And it's like that's our benefit now, that we can remember the things that Jesus has done and understand the Old Testament and what it means and what our future hope is because of what Jesus has done for us. Look. Remember, and then he says, believe. It's not too good to be true. It is true. He is physically resurrected. He is alive. Remember that everything was foretold in the Old Testament had to happen, and it did happen. Jesus truly is the Messiah. And now they have heard the good news. There's a challenge and an invitation. Is true. Now will they believe? So thirdly, believe that Jesus is God, that he loves you so much that he died for you. Believe he rose again so we could be forgiven and born again to eternal life. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer will rise from the dead on the third day and repent for the repentance of the forgiveness of sins, will be preached in his name to all nations. Jesus said and did all these things so they would believe, but also so you would believe. You need salvation. I need salvation. And we need it from sin, from hell, from the wages of sin, which is death. We were praying earlier and saying that for the Christian, you know, death is just like the gateway to life. People think about living and then, oh, my, th <clears throat> my throat's gone. Living and then dying. But we see it differently. We see death as access to life. Jesus died so that you could be saved through faith alone. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to work for that salvation. It's freely available to you. Just like those eggs were given out for free. And we then heard about things that God had done in people's lives. That he, That's what he does. He gives things for nothing because he's paid the price already.